This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. The battle lines for the next election are being drawn. Friday's mini-budget turned out to be a major event in its own right, with a raft of measures aimed unashamedly at whirring the UK's economy back to life. The bold decisions in the statement have also put a new spring in the step of Labour's leader Sir Keir Starmer, who was interviewed this morning by Laura Koonsberg as his party conference gets underway in Liverpool. Koonsberg asked where Labour stood on the changes to income tax, which most notably saw the scrapping of the 45p top rate. Some of the other things the Chancellor announced then, so he announced some big changes on tax. If you were in office, would you reintroduce the top rate of tax, the 45p rate that the government scrapped? Would you put it back up? Yes. What about... I do not think that the choice um, to um, have tax cuts for those that are earning hundreds of thousands of pounds is the right choice when our economy is struggling the way it is, working people are struggling in the way they are, and our public services are on their knees. So it is the wrong choice. That is the wrong choice. I would reverse the decision that they made on Friday. Be absolutely clear about that. The effect of that decision was if you're earning a million pounds, you got £55,000 in tax cuts uh, as a result of that decision on Friday. That's enough, more than enough, to employ a nurse. I don't think many people watching this programme will say that is fair, that is the way to grow our country. It is hugely risky, it's hugely divisive, and I would reverse it. And would you support the government cutting the basic rate of income tax from 20p down to 19p? Yes, I've long made the argument uh, that we should reduce the tax burden on working people um, it's why we um, opposed the national insurance mm-hmm. uh, increase earlier this year, which, of course, the government is now uh, reversing. So, uh, no, we wouldn't reverse that. OK. Earlier this month, the government announced it would be freezing energy bills for two years. Labour had preempted the government with an announcement of its own, but that support package would have only provided relief for six months. Koonsberg suggested to Stam that he might need to go back to the drawing board. Labour is saying right now we would freeze until April, the government is saying we would freeze for two years. So what are people meant to think about the support that you would provide for them after April? Don't they need to know now? Because actually, Labour Party's providing less reassurance for people who are struggling to pay their bills. We've set out a plan for the next six months, fully costed, and we've explained um, exactly how it works, a price freeze, and to be paid for... um, including to be paid for by the excess oil and tax profits. After that, of course, we need another plan. I don't shy away from that, but we need to know what the forecasts are. We didn't put our plan on the table until the middle of August because we needed to know exactly what the forecasts were for this winter. Nobody knows the forecast for next April. But the needs, does the need to be... Would you do it again? Does the need to be a medium and long-term answer to this? Yes, there does. Um, you know, the government has said a two-year freeze. We've said six months freeze. But we've got to take a step back here because what we've seen with this government for 12 years is short-term, 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 react to a crisis, react to a crisis. We need to do much more ambitious things. At our conference last year, we are in Brighton then, um, I said we need a mission, a national mission, 
to insulate homes. 19 million of our homes are leaking energy, so they're paying their bills and leaking the energy. If the government had taken me up on that, mm -hmm. last year, two million homes would have been insulated by now. And, and I've seen and, uh, some of these homes in Kirklees. I went to see the council there as insulated homes. You go in, I went there on a freezing day, it's warm, the bills of those living in the homes are next to nothing, and they're grinning from ear to ear. So I would say we do need a fix for this winter, of course we do, but we've got to start fixing the longer-term issues. And we will talk about that, but our viewers this morning will have heard that you are not at this point willing to guarantee freezing people's bills beyond April. And you've, and you've made that but very look, clear. Look, we'll have to see in April what the situation is. Okay. But look, in terms of who's been leading on this. The Labour Party in January argued for a windfall well, tax. In August, plan. we, made the, we, we and, put and the proposition you, of freezing bills. So we're actually the party that's coming up with the ideas and okay. others are following. Well, Coonsberg also inquired about Labour's aspirations to be generating energy entirely from renewables by 2030. Now, if renewables aren't reliable enough to provide 100% of electricity. I mean, no, nobody would think at this stage in the game, what do you fall back on? How do you keep the lights on? Well, you'd always have a transition with oil and gas. Of course you would. But we've got to have the ambition to get off fossil fuels when it comes to our power. This is a plan that can be delivered. It's a plan which will drive down our prices. And it's a plan that if the government had set off this on this road, um, you know, five, six years ago, we wouldn't be in the position we're in. But in terms of what you're saying, though, are you absolutely adamant that there will be no reliance on fossil fuels by 2030? Or is it still there as a fallback? I'm well, it not, might I'm be not, there as a fallback. It might be there as a fallback, right. The, the, the plan is 2030, um, you know, for all of our power, clean power. And we think that you can double onshore wind power, triple solar and quadruple offshore wind power. It can be done. We need a government that is prepared to partner with business on an ambition that can be turned into a result in 2030. Sophie Ridge spoke to Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester, who left her in no uncertain terms about where he stood on the mini-budget. It feels right to start with the budget uh, this week. Uh, pretty extraordinary, really ripping up Treasury uh, orthodoxy and also a big departure from uh, Boris Johnson's brand of conservatism as well. What did you make of it? To be honest, Sophie, I, I can still barely believe what we saw on Friday. We're in the midst of the worst cost of living crisis we've ever experienced. You know, people in this part of the world, in Greater Manchester, their heads are slipping beneath the water. They're living just using their microwave, not using the cooker. They've changed their life dramatically. A survey of disabled people in Greater Manchester last week said that over half have cut back what they're eating because they can't afford to eat. And then you have a budget that splurges billions on the wealthiest people in the country and actually doesn't do anything meaningful to get people through the autumn and the winter. So, honestly, I can barely believe it. It's, you know, having been through a period of national unity, the way I would describe it, Friday's budget was uh, a flagrant act of vandalism on the social cohesion of this, of this country. The government has drawn battle lines with working people. They've told us which side they're on. I think Labour Conference now has a chance uh, to, to, to pick up that, that battle, speak for ordinary people, uh, and uh, in, in doing so, I think, uh, put the, go the government on borrowed time. Koonsberg went on to interview the Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, confronting him with the charge that Friday's mini-budget was only worth it if you were wealthy. But you've made the choices to give more money back to people at the very top. Is it a good time to be rich in the UK? What I'm focused on is uh, tax cuts uh, across 
the board. And that's why we brought forward uh, the 1p cut in the basic rate, which I'm not sure where Labour, what Labour are going to do about that. I think they, they, Andy Burnham was suggesting that they would reverse that, which imposes more burdens on, on ordinary people. And but that's Council, why... You just said you wanted to focus it across the board. It is, is absolutely right. the case that the changes you have made, the tax cuts you will bring in, favour overwhelmingly people at the very top. They favour people right across uh, the income uh, uh, scale. And that's what's most important. Actually, one of the things that I really did agree with uh, Sir Keir about is that it's British people that are driving economic growth. But many people, most people actually, work in businesses. The interests of, of a small business owner or a small uh, business operator are absolutely aligned with the people who work in those businesses. It's, it's, we but need Jeff, to create jobs. You keep saying this phrase across the board. Only people who earn more than £155,000 will be net beneficiaries of what That's you not set true. Out. That's not true. I mean, if we look at the fact that That's we reversed... That's since 2019. If you put what you announced on Friday together with what this government has done since 2019, that is the case. So looking at the Friday statement... Uh, we've actually put m more money into people's pockets. That's why we've reversed the national insurance increase, which I, I think uh, was, was not a good policy, and we've reversed that. And also, we're bringing forward uh, the cut in the basic rate, and there's more to come. We've only been here 19 days. I want to see, uh, it, over the next uh, year, people retain more of their income, because I believe that well, it's the British people that are going to drive uh, this economy, and I want, that's why I want well, people to retain more of the uh, income that they, they earn. And finally, the boss of the RMT union, Mick Lynch, told Ridge he considered the government to be launching an attack on trade unions with its plans to curb strike action. At the same time, we have seen tightening of strike laws, haven't we, uh, on Friday. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, they're not just strike laws. They're, they're an attack on civil liberties and, and human rights. So they're trying to make it impossible for trade unions to exist in this country. And they're trying to make it impossible, in fact, to, for the people of this country to campaign against poverty, which is what many of them are changing. If there is no trade union freedom and it's impossible to conduct lawful industrial action, people will have to go another way. They'll have to think of other means of doing it. They're trying to regulate unions and they've said they're going to cut red tape. The only people that are going to be subject to stringent regulation are the trade unions. And they want to regulate the relationship between the union and its members. That's not acceptable. People will always regret further oppression of trade union rights because we won't be able to protest. We've got a new police bill that's going to stop us protesting on the streets. And we're going to have a set of trade union laws that attempt to stop us having a balanced equation in the workplace. And that's not acceptable. You say that if it, in your words, becomes impossible to strike, people will find other means. What, what, what do you mean? Well, if people can't take lawful industrial action, they'll have to take unlawful industrial action. And we're fast getting to a situation where we're going to have uh, laws that are as oppressive as those that exist in Russia and China. And back in Poland, before uh, Solidarność came along, and took unlawful industrial action in that environment to break free of the oppression of the old Soviet bloc. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.